What's up, Buffalonians? It's your boy, Nick English. If you want the facts, the stats, and all the sports info in the 716, you have come to the right place. This is English Encore, Buffalo's favorite sports channel. I'm your host, Nick English. I appreciate everyone for tuning in today. If you haven't done so already, if you can go ahead and give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast, I would greatly appreciate it. You can click on there and watch all of my previous live sessions. Most recently, I did one with Bill's Beaten Sideline reporter Sal Capaccio. It was a really great conversation if you want to check that out. I have my merchandise out now. If you would like to give me an order, you can check out all the details on my page. And if you need to contact me for any reason, my Gmail is also at the head of my bio as well as the link to my Spotify. Today, we're going to be going through week two NFL storylines. We're going to be talking about the NBA playoffs, including the Western and Eastern Conference Finals. Then we'll be going into the NHL, previewing the Stanley Cup after Tampa Bay clinched their spot last night against the New York Islanders. And then to end the show today, we're going to be talking about the MLB and just some of the storylines heading into the playoffs. So starting off with the NFL, a bunch of really good games week one. We just started week two yesterday with a Cleveland Browns win over the Cincinnati Bengals on Thursday Night Football and actually a very um, well-fought game. Joe Burrow threw over 60 passes. He looks like he's going to be the real deal. As far as six weeks goes, um, excuse me, Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson will be going head-to-head once again. These two teams always have great battles against one another. Um, Deshaun Watson and Lamar's obviously just very entertaining as they're two of the probably top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. It's going to be a good chance for the Texans to rebound after a big loss to the Kansas City Chiefs to open up the NFL season last week. The Ravens rolled in their week one matchup versus the Browns. Um, this is a really big game for the Texans just because they don't want to start 0-2. And for the Ravens, going to show um, you know that they are one of the Super Bowl favorites if they can be a very capable team in Houston. Then we have the first real test for Cam Newton and the New England Patriots. Um, Cam had two rushing touchdowns last week. Wasn't very effective throwing the ball, however, against the Miami Dolphins. This week they go up against the Seattle Seahawks. And that new vamped up defense with Jamal Adams. So I think that's going to be a very good matchup. I would pick Seattle in this game. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how Cam Newton does in the air um, game overall. He is a little bit banged up according to multiple reports. So we'll see how he does there. And then one of the more intriguing storylines I think of week two that probably won't go um, noticed very much. Is the game between the Bears and the Giants. Um, when I look at the Giants, this is a team that I think a lot of people don't have a lot of high expectations for, but they're intriguing because they have Joe Judge, a new head coach. You know, Daniel Jones, is he the real deal? They have one of the best players in the NFL in Saquon Barkley. They have a bunch of talented guys on defense, but overall they're just not, you know, a well-respected team around the NFL currently. Last week, Saquon had 15 carries for only six yards. The offensive line was getting absolutely blown up by the Pittsburgh Steelers, which makes this week a more intriguing matchup because they're going against a great front um, of the Chicago Bears um, with Khalil Mack, Hicks, and all those guys. And then you got to look at the Chicago Bears. Is Mitch Trubisky the real deal? Um, I think this is a career-defining season for him. 
Um, last year, he was really bad. Last week, he came through in the clutch for them against the Lions. He finished 20 of 36, 242 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Um, they, he was When they needed him, he uh, came through. I know a lot of people in Chicago still want to see Nick Foles um, eventually before the season ends. It's kind of one of those games. Detroit had the game won, and they kind of let it slip away. Matt Patricia is definitely on the hot seat there. Um, I don't think Mitch Trubisky is still the guy, but... Who knows? Let's see how he does this week and going forward. The Giants defense actually performed pretty well last week against the Steelers. Um, so we'll see how they fare. Just a little bit of a storyline um, to keep an eye on there. Moving on to the NBA. Right now we have two conference finals going on in both East and West. The West will be starting tonight between the Lakers and the Nuggets. So there will be no L.A. versus L.A. matchup. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic continue to shock the world and carry the Nuggets into the next series after being down 3-1 the previous two rounds. Um, credit to those guys and big credit to Coach Malone for really, you know, fighting through adversity. I know he's kind of taken some heat in the past for not getting as far into the playoffs as they should have with the talent they've had. Um, their bench has come up huge which I think is going to be a huge key in this series versus the Los Angeles Lakers. You look at the Lakers bench, they've gotten some production from Kuzma and Caruso as of late. But as far as, you know, Dwight Howard, the J.R. Smiths of the world, who hasn't really been getting as much playing time as people expected, Deion Waiters, those guys, are they going to be able to match, you know, the Denver Nuggets bench? The Nuggets bench has been huge for them, you know, all year long, and especially in this bubble you know, Michael Porter Jr. has really stepped up late. Monte Morris, who was starting a lot of games for them until Gary Harris returned to the starting lineup now. You got Plumlee playing some big defensive minutes. And we don't know about Burton, if he's going to be coming back in this series or not. Um, I think Denver's bench is way better than the Los Angeles Lakers bench. And I think that's going to be a big key in this series. I think people are really disappointed you're not going to get to see LeBron James versus Kawhi Leonard. Just because there was some talk about, you know, Kawhi being the best player in the world. I think everyone could stop talking about that now. You know, Giannis was announced that he was MVP today, but there's no stake about it. LeBron James is still the best player in the world. Um, if you didn't get that at the end of that Clippers Nuggets series, you'll understand now. And before I talk about the Eastern Conference Finals, I just want to touch about the Clippers a little bit here. Um, you know, everyone expected them to be against the Lakers. They were up three games to one, lost three consecutive games to a very tough Nuggets team. Um, Doc Rivers is on the hot seat. Um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Lou Williams, all those guys choked. You know, game seven, and you got Kawhi and Paul George putting up like 10 and 15 points. Guys off the bench, Harold, Lou Williams not doing anything. You get blown out by almost 25 points. Um, it's just not a good look. You know, everyone was praising Kawhi. He's this defensive stopper. You know, he's a clutch player. You got guys like Max Kellerman on ESPN saying he's more clutch in the history of the game than Kobe. You got him saying he's better than LeBron James, which now he's saying he's not because he choked. Um, the big thing for the Clippers is, man, you know, Paul George looks really, really bad. You know, Kawhi Leonard, everyone still knows he's a great player. He'll get better from it. He's still a top five player in the NBA. Um, obviously, he's not the king. LeBron still holds that crown. 
Um, you know, LeBron was waiting in the conference finals for him, and Kawhi didn't get to meet him. And uh, but Paul George, man, you go from Indiana to Oklahoma City because you don't think Indiana is going to get you the help you need. You go play with Russell Westbrook for a few seasons. You know, you get Carmelo Anthony. You guys just couldn't get the chemistry right. You decide to re-sign ultimately with them. Then you get bounced in the first round by the Portland Trailblazers. Then this year, you know, you're talking all that smack. You get to the second round against the Nuggets. You don't perform well all series. You didn't perform well in the playoffs in general. And you get bounced out again. Then in the post game, you start talking about how this wasn't a make-or-break year for the Clippers as far as winning an NBA championship. B.S. Every single season, you go into the um, NBA season in general, your goal is to win an NBA championship. If you don't want to win the NBA championship, you're lying to yourself. I don't care if you're the Clippers. I don't care if you're the Lakers. I don't care if you're the Charlotte Hornets, the Chicago Bulls, whoever you are, your goal is to win an NBA championship. And by saying that, you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself, your teammates, and especially Doc Rivers. And here's why. The Clippers traded four years worth of first-round picks, an additional year with one protected first-round pick, and two years of pick swaps to the Oklahoma City Thunder in order to get Paul George. Kawhi Leonard wanted them to get Paul George, so that's what they did because that's what they, how badly they wanted Kawhi. Well, next year, both Kawhi Leonard and Paul George have player options. If you do not go to the NBA Finals and win that chip next year, I would not be surprised at all if Kawhi Leonard or Paul George doesn't decide to re-sign. And... From a Clippers perspective and Doc Rivers, if you don't find a way to make that work and either of those guys decide to not re-sign next year, you just trade away four to six picks worth of your future to potentially have Kawhi and PG together for two seasons and then just say see ya without a championship like the Toronto Raptors did getting Kawhi for just one year. So that's a big storyline. Um, Miami and the Celtics have already played two games. Miami taking both of the first two. Um, big thing for them. Jimmy Buckets getting the job done per usual. Bam out of bio and Tyler Hero coming up huge in game one. Bam out of bio with the big block on Jason Tatum with just a few seconds remaining in overtime to seal the win for Miami. Tyler Hero a near triple-double including a few big shots from Jimmy Butler yesterday. Miami becoming, they're coming from behind by 17 points in a comeback win. Duncan Robinson was heating up from three, nailing six three-pointers. And Goran Dragic continues to be um, one of the best players in the postseason. He's earning himself a big one- to two-year contract, hopefully with the Miami Heat. Um, he's been balling out for them, dropped over 20 again last night. There was some rumors that after the game, Marcus Smart, Tatum, Brown, and a bunch of other Celtics players got into it. Um, the big question is when will Gordon Hayward return and how will that impact the team? Is he going to get a lot of minutes and take away you know, minutes from guys that have been playing well? Um, the Celtics bench, are they going to be able to do enough to stay in this series? So far, you've been getting great contributions from the guards off the bench like Brad Wanamaker. 
Is Gordon Hayward that extra bench guy that they need? Are they going to put him back in the starting lineup? We saw Ennis Cantor finally get some minutes yesterday. Um, Brad Stevens definitely has some coaching adjustments that he needs to do. But right now, the Heat pretty much went on the road technically and stole two games. Um, if they can win one of the next two, they're going to put themselves in a great position up 3-1. to one. Um, And if Bam, Butler, Hero, and all those guys can continue to play with one another, the Heat are just very dangerous. Um, I don't really care who they're going to go up against here at Celtics or in the West Conference Finals or in the NBA Finals if they get to play Nuggets or the Lakers if they're fortunate enough to win this series. They're just a team that's very well coached. They're almost like the New England Patriots of the NBA. And the reason I say that is you look at Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick and, you know, they had Tom Brady for so long. You know, you look at the Heat. They had Pat Riley. They have a great coach in Eric Spolstra. And now they have, you know, a few centerpiece pieces um, with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. And it's almost like the Patriots as far as they never had, you know, the huge star talent. You know, like you look around the NFL now with Patrick Mahomes of the world, the Julio Jones. You know, yes, they had Randy Moss for a little short period of time and Tom Brady back in his prime. But Miami just has a bunch of dudes that buy into the culture, just like the Patriots have guys that buy into Bill Belichick's coaching philosophy and buy into that type of play style. And it's been working out great for them. So kudos to Miami and hopefully they're gonna be able to get the job done I think the Lakers Miami um, finals would be really fun to watch um, moving on to the NHL last night the Tampa Bay Lightning after being bounced in the first round last year by Columbus finally get some redemption as they beat the Islanders two to one in overtime um, to move on to the Stanley Cup against the Dallas Stars probably the most surprising team of the bubble NHL playoffs so far. Dallas's ability to shut down high-powered um, offenses and capitalize on the limited scoring chances they get each and every game has been the big reason. Anton Gudobin's been outstanding for them in goal. The biggest question is, are they going to be able to keep that up against a very high-powered Tampa Bay Lightning offense? Um, they were able to do it against Vegas and their high-powered you know, powered offense, but Tampa Bay is on a different level as far as offense goes, though. They have two of the three top playoff scorers in Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point. We don't know if Steven Stamkos is going to play at all. He has been skating a little bit more each day, but I would highly doubt he's going to play. If he does, it's probably going to be late in that series, depending how far it goes. Um, but to me, Dallas is playing with house money, in my opinion. You know, no one expected them to get this far. Um, they beat a couple very good teams to get here. And really, they have nothing to lose. They weren't expected to be here. Tampa has a lot to lose. You're a team that's consistently in the playoffs. You got bounced in the first round last year after having one of the most historical seasons in NHL history. And now you finally make it back. And it almost seems like, all right, this is your opportunity. You have a bunch of the best players in the world. I mean, Tampa Bay is just loaded with talent. I already talked about Kucherov, Point, Stamkos. They got a bunch of other great players, Sorelli, Yanni Gord. Um, look at what Palat's been doing in the playoffs. They have Victor Hedman. Um, they have great goaltending in Vasilevsky. Um, this is a series that, you know, Tampa Bay has no business of losing, but Dallas has just found a way to win close games. Um, 
I think a big reason for that is the veteran leadership they have. You know, they bring in a couple veteran guys that were leaving long tenures with their former teams. You got Joe Pavelski, Corey Perry, bring in some grit grind guys like that to go along with a very good young defensive core. And then, as I mentioned before, Anton Anton Gudobin has been standing on his head um, in the playoffs for the most part outside of a few games in their last round. But overall, I think it's going to be a very intriguing series. If I had to make a prediction right now, I would pick Tampa Bay in six games. Like I said, I think Dallas is good enough that they're going to be able to get a game or two off this strong Tampa Bay team. They've just found ways to win, and I feel like they're still going to find a way to get a few wins here. But overall, Vasilevsky is one of the best goaltenders in the NHL. Um, Tampa Bay has found a way to get it done against a few good teams now in the Boston Bruins and the New York Islanders. And I think the Islanders series actually prepares um, Tampa Bay really well for this series because the Islanders and Dallas play a very similar type game. Um, I think Barry Trotz is a lot better coach than Dallas' head coach, but um, I think the adjustments that Trotz is making, you know, switching between Grice and Varlamov, switching up his lineups, and just going against a very stifling um, defensive team like the Islanders and going through the Blue Jackets again this year, I think is going to prepare them very well for Dallas, and I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa is the team hoisting the cup at the end of the year. And then finally, finishing off today's episode, we talked about the MLB. Um, just some of the main storylines heading into the playoffs here in just a few short weeks. Um, the New York Yankees, after there was a big concern with them, after they couldn't seem to buy a win, um, they've bounced right back and they've gone 8-2 and two over their last 10 and overtaken the Blue Jays in that second spot um, in the AL East. The Blue Jays, on their hand, have been stumbling. They've been 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Their pitching just flat out has not been getting it done. Their hitting really hasn't been an issue. They've seemed to be still putting up um, over five runs almost every single game, except for the past few against the Yankees. Um, the bats of Bo Bichette, Biggio, Guerrero, Gurriel, they have no problem scoring runs. But outside of Pearson, even though they made a few good deadline moves, they bring in some more starting pitching. Hasn't really panned out for them. The relievers haven't been great either. Um, they're still a very young team. I think they're still going to have a good chance to make the playoffs here, especially with you know the expanded team. But definitely a storyline to keep an eye on, especially because the Yankees and Blue Jays still have another series against one another. The LA Dodgers, Chicago White Sox, and the Tampa Bay Rays have all clinched playoff berths. The Dodgers comes as no surprise to anyone. Um, the big thing for them is are they going to be able to perform in the playoffs? Each year it seems like the Dodgers are one of the first teams to clinch a playoff spot are always heavy favors to win the World Series, but always end up coming small, especially from a pitching perspective. And Clayton Kershaw, is this a year they finally get it done? I'm not so sure. Um, I think the White Sox have shocked a lot of people. They were a team that I predicted at the beginning of the year were going to make the playoffs. I didn't think they were going to be this good. Um, they're very intriguing. They've gotten a lot of great pitching. Um, they've been getting some clutch hitting from a lot of their young players. Um, the Rays, I definitely predicted them that they were going to make the playoffs uh they took advantage of an injured Yankees team which is what I said could happen at the beginning of the year that if the Yankees you know couldn't stay healthy Tampa was in a prime position to really do some damage and they're potentially going to be a one or two seed in the playoffs you know whether it's Morton pitching getting stronger as the year goes on or just the hitting abilities you know Chi Man Choi has been good for them uh 
They're very solid defensively. They're just a very tough team to play against. They're not really going to wow you with, you know, their batting ability or star players, but they're going to team that's going to play you a full nine innings and they're going to get the job done. And then a really intriguing team to keep an eye on for the playoffs is the Padres. Are they really World Series contenders? It's very hard to tell. They have a lot of star power. They're very young. They could potentially make a run. Manny Machado, uh, you know, Tatis, who's been fantastic all year for them. They've been getting great pitching out of Zach Davies, who's 7-3 and three on the year. I think that they're going to make the postseason and potentially get to the World Series. Um, they've been just hitting the ball so well that if they keep that up, it's going to be very hard for anyone in the NL to stop them. Um, the Dodgers are probably the best team to potentially do that, but it all relies on their pitching. Um, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Like I said, if you can give me a follow on Instagram at English Encore Podcast, I'm hopefully going to be getting some live sessions over the next few weeks. I will be back on Monday again to talk about some Bills and Sabres. I'll be going over week two matchup um, from the Bills Dolphins game, talk about how that goes. You know, Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds have been ruled out for that game, so this will be a very interesting game. We'll be going over the Sabres' first trade in the Kevin Adams era as they acquired Eric Stahl in exchange for Marcus Johansson in a straight-up deal, so I'll be talking about that. And then I'm also going to be previewing um, the Bills' Week 3 matchup against the Rams in a very um, good game, especially with Stephon Diggs going one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey. So that will be on Monday. Appreciate everyone for tuning in. Hope everyone is staying safe and healthy. This has been English Encore Podcast, Buffalo's favorite sports channel.